Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, we're talking to Don Pendergrast, Technical Manager for Non-Combinable Crops at Agri. Today, we're going to ask some key questions about biosolutions. What are the benefits? Are there any disadvantages? And trying to make sense of where they do and can fit, helping UK growers now and in the future. So, uh, good morning, Don. Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Don, and a very warm welcome to you uh, here on Tramlines. Really looking forward to hearing about some of the work you've been doing in R&D. Today, we're going to be talking about biosolutions. And and your title that you offered up was The Good, The Bad and The Complicated. So we're going to explore that, and and I'm really interested to learn about biosolutions. But first of all... um, your technical manager for non-combinable crops. So tell us a bit about what are those crops that you are looking at? Yeah, so um, so in effect, it's sort of in a shorthand, it's anything that doesn't go through a combine. Um, but but really the key things I'm focusing on are, are veg, um, fruit, um, so top fruit and soft fruit. Um, and then I'm also involved with sugar beet, um, and I work quite closely with uh, with Nick Windmill, who uh, many people know on potatoes. And uh, um, you you work at, in an R and D function, don't you, Don? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm one of the technical managers. Um, so my whole career's really been been around R and D and policy um, policy development. So I'm sort of one of the techies, uh, as as people will often say. Yeah. Okay. So as one of the techies, what are you technically looking at in R&D? Where's your focus in these non-combinable crops at the moment? At the moment? Um, so, I mean, there's, it's obviously a, a massive time of change for the industry um, as a whole. Um, I think we're looking, we're sort of, if I look at what we're doing in terms of the trials work uh, and and the sort of um, the bits we're focusing on at the moment, probably the main areas we're looking at are, are digital technologies. Um, and then the other big one um, is, is biosolutions uh, alongside the sort of the, the thinning pipeline of conventional um, chemistry as, uh, as well. Um, but um, certainly that, that and the reason I wanted to talk about biosolutions today is that I know that's kind of very much kind of hot hot topic area but obviously that that title of biosolutions covers covers a lot of a lot of different different products a lot of different types of things yeah yeah absolutely and uh, so let's let's uh, let's dive in and, and find out about these biosolutions don so so to help us all what are biosolutions yeah it's a, it's a, it's I've I've been working on this for a long time and, okay. and, and still as I think biosolutions is the kind of the best catch-all term that people have come up with and it's the term we use um in agri but I think broadly um that well in effect they're they're products that are a sourced um from a biological from a biological base um, so they're they're sort of biologically built. They're not synthetically um, generated. And and there are two broad types. So there's biostimulants. Um, so those are those are things that those are products that basically stimulate the metabolism, generally the sort of metabolic processes within the plant um, to kind of get them to to uh, what I would describe as upregulate, um, so to basically to basically stimulate the 
different elements of their growth pattern, you know, or the development of fruits. They're not they're not fertilizers specifically, so they're not bringing nutrition. They're actually affecting the metabolism of the plant. And then the other the other side is biocontrol. So those are um, effectively um, biological pesticides. Um, so covering things like bioherbicides, um, biofungicides, bioinsecticides. And there's also a kind of subgroup called physical insecticides as well that that sort of fits in there. Yeah. Does that give you a, a, yeah. a broad feel? Well, yes, you'll have to ask the listeners, of course, but it, 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 it certainly helps me. Um, so what, why and how do these help us or could help us with a view to, and you made, you made this phrase, a uh, couple of words, you said thinning synthetic chemistry. So, so what do you mean by that thinning synthetic chemistry and how, how can these biosolutions potentially help us? Well, I think it's no secret. Um, I think it's have to be hiding under a rock to not have noticed that we are and have been for a, 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 a quite a long period of time losing, um, yeah, you know, losing um, certain synthetic chemicals, um, certain pest chemical pesticides that we that the industry is as as used very effectively for food production over you know the, the last gosh 60, 70 years in some cases, um, but. But the regulation barriers have become higher. Um, there's this sort of increased focus, ability to to sort of to 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 go to go down to really minute levels in terms of understanding you know, how those chemicals are moving through the environment, how they're breaking down, and what that's resulting in is that um, is that there's basically a reduction in the amount of sort of what we what we would call conventional synthetic uh, pesticides coming through um and so there's a, there's there's gaps opening up in the uh in the sort of the armory for for control and management of pest weeds and and diseases yeah very interesting and so you're working in r&d yeah. so how and what are you doing to help us understand how these biosolutions could help us yeah, so the, the whole area of biosolutions isn't new. Uh, some of the products that are around have been around for a very, a very, very long time. Um, is we're running when we get a new biological product through a new biosolution, we are we are testing it um, to look at what it's going to work on. Does it work? Um, and then if we find that it does work, how do we get the best out of that? Um, so that actually you know where to use it, when to use it, and, and when not to use it. Because these things are, as, as I was originally going to go with the good, the bad, and the ugly, using the old Western terminology for the, the title, but I thought, actually, they're probably not ugly, they're just complicated. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's a really interesting word that you, you, you've used there, you know, complicated, or is it just, it's yeah, it's complex, isn't it? It, it really is, and I can hear that in your descriptions. And I can also hear this level of understanding that you have, which is really interesting, uh, and the work that you're doing at Agri, looking at these uh, biosolutions. So can you can you help us give some some examples of the areas that you're looking at? Okay, so so what I need to say at the start of this is one of the things that this is still very much 
a work in progress. Um, but one of the things that I think we are doing, one of the key things I'm trying to do is to make sure that we're picking up. Um, if somebody has some success with a bio solution in potatoes, um, providing we can, we want to have a look at whether that might work. Um, say they see something good against late blight in, uh, in, in potatoes, would that work against a similar pathogen, something like downy mildew uh, in um, downy mildew in, in, in onions, for instance, in alliums. So there's kind of that, that that's the kind of approach that, that we're taking. So I, I wonder probably whether, whether a good way to do this is to kind of go through, particularly focusing on, on veg, um, whether to go through kind of what we're seeing that's good um, what's bad and, and what is complicated. Would that be maybe a good way to do it? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think that would be really interesting for listeners to hear, you know, where they could be really helpful. So what I wanted to do with this when we were talking was to make sure to, to tell people that there are some good stories here. Yeah, um, let's hear them. <laughs> so, so We like so, good stories. Yeah, absolutely. The worst thing would be if we're just, uh, we wouldn't want this to be too mournful. Um, no. So, so, there, so one of the areas we're definitely succeeding in i think is starting to find bio um biological fungicides that are now not all of those have reached the market yet so we will often look at things three or four years before they get to the actual commercial market um to uh, to kind of see how they're working and to look at getting the the best out of them um but what we are seeing is in the trials with the near market products we're seeing a number of biofungicides that are looking positive against diseases like powdery mildew. Um, so um, particularly sort of the plant, what we would call the plant extracts. Um, they're quite nice as products often because um, they can be quite easily mixed with other um, fungicides and other chemistry, which isn't always the case for some products like bio, like microbiologicals. So I'm getting a bit techy here, but we're seeing really positive results there. We've got a, a really good product that we've seen, we were using in fruit um, that is commercial now, which is a product called uh, Protector, um, which is eff effectively, to make it simple, it's effectively a, a, a yeast um, product. But what it does is it is it basically outcompetes the diseases that might infect the surface uh, for the plant or the fruit. Um, so we're using that very effectively in fruit against botrytis. Um, but we're now looking for that to move via some for some emus. We're looking to get that moved into um, into some of the the um, some of the leafy salad crops um, and also to uh, to look at getting that possibly into the legumes, in some of the minor legumes as well. Um, so there's some positive stories there. Um, we know there are some other products that are a little bit further out that are showing some quite good efficacy against rusts as well. So th there is a particularly positive story around bio biofungicides. And this year as well, with a, bio, with a biostimulant product that we've been looking at for a number of years, um, which has shown sort of promising results consistently, which is something quite big with biostims. We haven't really seen that before. And we've also had some positive results with an endophyte. Now endophytes, I always think are one of the most fascinating, sorry, I'm coming really geeky now, one of the most fascinating technologies. They've been really effectively used in other parts of the world. 
but um, we're really just kind of scratching the surface with them um, in the UK at this point. And but that that's quite exciting. We've done some work in brassicas on the end of fight, um, and we've actually seen that we were able um, to well, we were able to get a benefit with a full nitrogen input. We were also able to potentially use the endophyte um, to to um, to effectively compensate for the the loss of nitrogen. What what the endophyte does is it enters the plant and effectively allows it to uh, to fix and uptake nitrogen um, when it wouldn't actually be able to do it. So that endophyte, let's just define that because it's it is fascinating in terms of you know a direction of travel in in. Uh, you know, helping us with crop protection and crop husbandry. So it's often a bacteria or a fungus that actually lives within that plant for certainly a part of its life cycle. It doesn't cause damage to that plant, but it helps it. And here you're talking about helping it with its uh, with its nitrogen. Nitrogen use efficiency. Yes, yeah, so endophytes are everywhere in the environment. Sure. Um, they, they are, you're, they're, they're sort of, they are, literally everywhere in 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 plants you might find growing in the garden growing in growing in the field what what the key is it, effectively what we do with them in a in a in a product um is you apply them to the plant and the plant the key is to get the plant to take them up um and for them to be able to symbiotically integrate within the plant within the plant um that's that's the challenge is being able to effectively effectively do that um, they can do the endophytes as a broad technology can do lots of different things some of them can improve drought tolerance um, they can sometimes have you know, a sort of a almost plant protection like qualities but different endophytes do do different things uh, nitrogen use efficiency is obviously another area um, as well so we see in places like america um, and uh, and New Zealand that they've had they, they've actually used endophytes for a very long time as quite effective technologies. Um, so they're, they're something that I think shows great promise for the future. We're, we're in the foothills at the moment of, of of kind of learning about them in the UK and getting the best out of them. But um, there's potentially quite a lot to come there. I think. Can I just ask you about toxicity and safety? Um... Are these products benign and safe? Uh, what testing do they have to go through? Uh, could you just give us a snapshot of that? Again, I've got to make the distinction. We've got the bio, we've obviously got biostimulants which don't go through um, a regulatory process. They they currently in the UK go through under a fert, under the fertilizer um, regulations. Part of that because I think your key question is is really around bio biocontrol so biocontrol products are registered plant protection products so they go through the same regulatory processes they will be evaluated by crd in the same way that a pesticide will in broad terms and don what's in it for the farmer uk grower or the agronomist giving advice there are going to be gaps in the control strategy for growers if we do not use um, bio, bio, biocontrol products, um, and potentially biostimulant products as well. Um, so, so actually, the advantage is they help to ensure effective and sustainable control of um, of you know pest weeds diseases, um, and actually they they can help meet some of those environmental. If, if used in the right way, they can help meet some of those environmental criterias. 
um, particularly um, as well, they can be very useful from the perspective of um, minimising residues on plants, which is particularly relevant to the to the fresh produce sector, where you know residues is a is a real kind of challenge for growers, and actually the utilisation of these products in the right way um, can can minimise the risk uh, of issues with, uh, with with residues. And in fact. I won't talk about it today, I'll do it in a future podcast, but we've had a very effective piece of work we've done on, uh, on, straw, on strawberries this, this last two years, where we demonstrate that actually utilising the biological programme um, can actually sort of effectively remove any issues of residues whatsoever. I'm not promising that in every crop, but we've demonstrated we can do that. Dom, this sounds like there's some really, really good opportunities here with with these uh, these solutions, so to speak. But you mentioned right at the start about the bad and the complicated. So, what are those? Okay, so I probably, to be fair, I probably you've probably seen the complicated as as I've talked it through. But if we go to the if we go to the bad, um, I think we test every biosolutions products that we're bringing that we're giving that that's promoted to the agronomy team um, and that our agronomists are kind of taking out there because one of the things we've seen is that a, a lot of products don't meet the cut at first at first look um, something that's worked in 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 southern Europe or um, you know Australia or New Zealand doesn't necessarily work in the UK um, and so so actually I guess the the bad is that people, a lot of people, I think, have had experiences with products in the past that have been sold to them where actually that proper evaluation hasn't taken place. So we, you know, we know there's a lot of products that have fallen by the wayside. Um, and um, and actually the reality is even when you find something that works, you've got to position it. Um, so a good example of that is, is actually we've had some good results in physical insecticides. Um, but actually, we know they're not as good as conventional insecticides. But what we've worked out is we've worked out what's working and then we've worked out where to position it in the strategy to make it most effective um, for, uh, for use alongside, alongside conventional chemistry. For, for growers, uh, agronomists, in fact, anybody listening today, how do we all keep in touch with these exciting developments? Okay, so I mean, obviously, the agronomy, uh, the sort of uh, agri's agronomy team, the, the veg teams, the fruit teams, they are all being provided with this information uh, on a regular basis. They'll be kept up to date with the trials work that that we're doing. We also produce a regular newsletter that provides information um, on the on the work that we're doing in trials, um, so you can keep up to date. Obviously, through those two those two main those two main routes. Um, whilst also, you know, having access to the technical team um, that's uh, that's there and can be found on the uh, on the website. Well, thank you, Don, for sharing such a valuable insight into biosolutions and some of the work that you're doing at Agri R&D, an exciting area that uh, clearly has real potential for the future, helping UK growers. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Tony. It's been uh, really good to uh, chat it through on the podcast. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.